Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture. It's me, Damian Mason. Got a great show for you today. I have the author of Farming Without the Bank. Her name is Mary Jo Ehrman. She's a North Dakotan, or as they would say, North, North Dakotan. Uh, she's from up there in the Bismarck area. She's a farm and ranch gal who uh, now helps farmers and ranchers do better financially. So whether you're a farmer or rancher, maybe you own a seed company, maybe you own an equipment dealership, maybe you are self-employed doing something else, whatever you do, you are at the right place because we're going to give you ideas and information you can use to be better at your business from the financial side of it. You know, one thing that agricultural people do poorly, in my opinion, is they oftentimes fail they're cheap. They're cheap, 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 but then they won't spend the money to do the right thing to perpetuate the business. And this happens all the time, you know, especially on the farm and ranch thing. Well, I got three kids and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you're 84. Uh, I can tell you what's, what's not going to happen. You're not going to live for another 20 years, grandpa. So get your shit together. That's kind of my assessment of all this. If you listen to this show, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a straight shooter. And so is my guest, Mary Jo Ehrman. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so Mary Jo Ehrman, Infinite Banking Concept. She's certified to teach that. She sells insurance. She's from a ranch background in North Dakota, and she, uh, she wrote uh, Farming Without the Bank. That's what we got to go on, but we're going to need to know, know more. Give me the rest of the story. <laughs> so the, the short of the long is in 2000, I grew up on a farm ranch operation. My dad was a purebred breeder. And I came upon the infinite banking concept in 2010. That was at the same time that the market crashed and I lost 50% of my money. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I was always looking for something else to do with my money because I did not like the stock market. So here comes infinite banking concepts. And I thought, well, that's too good to be true. There is no way you can use whole life insurance and build the cash value and these people are going to jail. Long story short, nobody's going to jail. It's totally legal, been done for 200 years. And so I was just, it was the answer to everything I was looking for. And then coming from that background, I knew exactly what my family is going through, constantly asking the bank for money, constantly having to prove everything for new operating every year. Um, and I said, well, this has to work with farmers. Right. And I listen to your other podcast as well. And so I know that you talk a lot about businesses and working with the people that really that you really like to work with. And By I the said way, that, was not, that was not scripted, dear listeners. That was not scripted. That was my that was my gal Mary Jo saying that she listens to the Do Business Better podcast because that's the place that we help entrepreneurs and business owners and business-minded people do business better. So anyway, yeah, so you're, you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, you're a financially-minded person. Um, and you say, why is it that we're not doing this on the agricultural side, stuff that right. uh, this, tell me, what is the infinite banking concept? Let's start there. So the infinite banking concept is really just a thought process around money that we've not been taught. So that concept was um, developed by R. Nelson Nash from Birmingham, Alabama. 
but he it it all stems around the you have the concept and the thought process around money and then you have the fact that we can utilize whole life insurance and we can create that policy so it's cash value rich and we're going to borrow against that and we become our own banker Mm-hmm. So we're not going to the bank. We become the banker. We're borrowing from ourselves. We're paying ourselves back. We have 100% control. Okay. So you, you read this and then you got some certification. Is that the idea? Then you say, I'm, I'm going to go and take a class on how I can instruct to this curriculum kind of thing. So the Nelson Nash Institute will only, if you want to teach the concept, you want to be certified because it's not just, oh, I'm gonna go sell life insurance. A lot of people say, oh, I can do that for you, right? They take my book into their local agent and their local agent says, oh, I can do that for you. And I see those policies and they're all wrong, right? Or the agent sold you a policy that's maybe workable, but he can't help you with the strategies of how to do it. Because a lot of this concept is also based on Austrian economics. So supply versus demand. Do we go to the bank? Do we go to the policy? When do we use a policy? Are there different strategies of how to buy things? Um, All those things come into play as an infinite banking practitioner. We're always looking at different ways of doing things in the economy to best utilize our dollar. Okay. So besides it being a thought process and it became a curriculum. Okay. So I'm a rancher. I'm a farmer. Okay. So I got my business and then I say, uh, I may be not doing everything right. Uh, Mary Jo, I'm gonna have an appointment with you. Tell me then what goes from there. I've got, uh, this farming operation in Indiana, which I do have. <laughs> uh, and now I call you up and then what happens from there? So first of all, I won't talk to you unless you've read the book. So I have a very, I'm very stringent on who gets past the gates, right? Because I want to teach you, I want you to have control of your finances. By the way, I appreciate appreciate that as as a writer and reader of books, I appreciate that the statistics are abysmal. Uh, The average American does not open a book after their last reading assignment in high school. Uh, I had a guest on this very podcast last year. His name is Brandon Whipp. He's from South Dakota, a smart guy, and he's a business-minded guy. And he said, you know what? Too many people in agriculture, these farmers, read a business book instead of pouring over the plat book. Um, I find it interesting that agricultural people, Mary Jo, say things like, well, I ain't got no time to read. And I said, well, it certainly shows based on your grammar. But more importantly, are we really – okay, the guy that rents my land works 100-hour weeks because he's got 2,000 cow dairy. He's got all this stuff going on. He's got a newborn baby. But the average grain farmer pretending they don't have – I'm like, you don't have time to read. What? Because you got to drive to the FSA office and sign up for your government program this week. Is there some other thing that's happening this week? Well, I get my equipment ready. You have nine pieces of equipment. If you spend one day on each one of them, <laughs> that's nine days. What do you do the rest of February? So anyway, I appreciate you making people read books that make their business better. So you start by saying, you got to read my book. Do you want to tell me about the book or you're going to tell about the meeting? Yeah. So the book has the, the general concept of what I'm trying to teach you. It goes over the mindset and then you can get into the numbers and how it's implemented because I have case studies in there. So you can actually see how can we use it for operating? How fast is the cash value? Why would I want to do this? You can see the numbers. And so if you don't read the book, I mean, the first thing that happens when you call my office is my assistants will answer the phone. And if your name is not in our database 
and that doesn't show that you bought the book, the next question is, is have you read the book? Because you're not getting past them. I don't care how much you want to talk to me. I am not talking because what's going to happen is you want me to read you the book. Mm-hmm. You just told me that you can't read the book, but you would spend two hours on the phone with me and it's a two hour read. You could have just read the book. Yeah. Right. right. So it's like, well, you, why don't you tell me what I need to know? Okay. Well, here's what you need to know. Once you read this, then you'll know what you need to know. All right. So yeah. the, the book farming without the bank goes through, as you said, case studies and scenarios saying, here's how you can do this. Now let's say on my farming operation, I want to have a point with you. I read the book and I say, I'm not farming out of the bank. I have uh, a loan here with uh, my local agricultural lending institution uh, for $1 million. Then you say what to me? So what we do in our first meeting is go over, what is your gross income? Where are your, where, what do you have for loans? What, how much are you borrowing? I need to see where the money is going. I don't need super detailed information. Just based on a few of those questions, I can see exactly where your money is going. I can see exactly what you're doing with it. Because even if you're farming with cash, there's a lot of people that'll say, I'm already doing this. Yeah, okay, so you just bought a tractor with cash and you just threw $300,000 out the window. Lost opportunity cost on that. You can't put that anywhere to have uninterrupted compound interest. So a lot of what the insurance policy allows us to do It is just the tool that allows us to have the uninterrupted compound interest. So can I look at what you're doing and can we find some money, some capital that we can start these policies with? Are they going to be a hundred thousand a year? I don't know. I mean, I just started one today for a young kid at 3000 a year. I started one a few months back for somebody with a half a million a year of premium. It just depends where we're at. All right, so tell me now, Mary Jo. All right, so I, I read the book. I got this situation. Yeah, you, you're talking about money. How is it? What is the benefit? So rather than using a bank, I because right now I can get cheap money. I mean, we're cheap money like you've never seen before. I mean, uh, you can get you know three, four, five percent kind of money. Um, why not go ahead and utilize cheap money right now? And you might want to. So you might not want to go to the bank or you might not want to borrow against your policy. You might want to go to the banking and grab a loan at the bank. So I bought a new vehicle, 2%. Why would I wrap up my liquid money in my policy? Cause that's liquid cash value. You can get it. You can have it in 24 hours. So why would I wrap up liquidity in a chunk of metal? when I can go to the bank and get it at 2%, because I might want to buy farm ground, I might want to buy cows, whatever, that I want to take advantage of an opportunity when somebody is selling, I have the liquidity to do that at 5% from the policy. So now I, you get me one of these insurance policies and I put in a set amount of money and then this is a, uh, this is a whole life thing, it's not term. Like for instance, my life insurance policy is a term policy. I bought it 15 years ago and it's got another 15 years on it. So it has no cash value. It's just uh, it's just like my car insurance, um, whatever. But you're saying, no, let's go ahead and get you a whole life policy where it's actually got cash in. And you're saying you can grab that money three years from now if you want. Is that what the idea is? Yep. So you can pay your premium in seven to 10 days. You have access to 75% of your premium. So if you put 100000 in, you had in seven to 10 days, you have access to $75,000. 
And once you put it in the policy, it never leaves the policy. You're borrowing against it and your money is collateral. The life insurance company sends you their money. So your money stays in earning a guaranteed rate. Okay. And we're using whole life, I'm gonna be very clear here, whole life with a dividend paying, a mutual paying company or a mutual company that's paying dividends, mm -hmm. okay? Not universal life, not variable life, not index. It is not tied to the stock market. I don't like those policies and they're crap. In most cases, they don't, they're sold to you, so it's cheap and then they fall apart and you're dead before they ever pay out. I see. So we want whole life and we want it to pay a dividend. Okay. All right. So uh, I want to have a meeting with you. I'm a farm guy in Indiana. And then you say you got to read the book. You send it to me for free or do I have to pay for it? I have to pay for it? No, you got to pay for it. Oh, I, th I thought you were going to say you got to pay for the book. Okay. I think, I think you should charge people for the book and then refund it to them when they go and do business with you. But okay. So I read the book, then you meet with me. You got to have some skin in the game, Damien. Do you listen to your other podcasts? Uh, I do. And I have lots of skin. Hey, and, re and remember, I have skin in the game. Trust me, sister. You know what? It's interesting. Uh, this is something you can appreciate probably. And, you know, I've, I've got my farm properties. I've had investment properties. I've been self-employed for 25 years, although I was pointing out there's no such thing because you work for other people. And I remember it was about two years ago, I was having a discussion with someone and they were just on pins and needles, just terrified about some potential transactions. And, well, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be all in on this. What would you do? I said, shit, I've been all in since I was a kid. Every single thing I do is my money. It's like, well, that's my money. I'm like, yeah, everything I do is my money. When I, when I buy this, invest in that, print books, buy new computers, chunk, buy a chunk of farm ground, it's I'm all in. I'm all in. Like, well, you're going to be personally on that note. I remember someone saying, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I'll be personally on that note. I'm like, well, welcome to my club. I've been personally on every note I've ever had. Right. Right. Okay. So um, tell me some good stories and some bad stories. Tell me a success and a failure. Tell me, and, and not your failure, but uh, maybe it could be, but uh, somebody that, you know, you really helped them uh, get to being uh, much more financially uh, uh, ahead, of the, ahead of the pack than they would have been, or somebody that didn't do what they should have done and uh, ended up uh, having some problems. So the not doing what you should have did is easier, right? Because, and why didn't they do what they should have did? Because they never read the book. Yep. Because early on, I didn't make them read the book. And part of the concept is use it or lose it. If you don't use it, you forget why you have it and you lose that knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, on the success side, do I have anybody completely away from the banking system? Nope, not yet. The book is only about six years old. Mm -hmm. And so we have to slowly get there. It's a process. Just like building your operation is a process, so is getting away from the banking system. And so that, with that comes a process. But have we been able to alleviate the stress, especially in a year like last year when a lot of guys are like, Mary Jo, I can't pay my policy loan back. And we used it for operating or we bought of a piece of equipment and all of a sudden we couldn't pay that back or we couldn't make a payment on it. That's okay. The life insurance company does not care. I just ask, Hey, just pay your interest only. So it doesn't hurt your policy. The rest of it, not a big deal. You own and control that. 
So here's the question. Uh, I mean, like you said, uh, you, you, none of your people are away from the banking system. Um, I need more than I could possibly ever get from my own insurance policy. So um, what's the, what's the right thing to do then? Do you have a, do you have recommendations on that? Yeah, how to go guess- about borrowing money? just get started with a policy it doesn't matter even if i talked to a lady just this morning she's like well i just think i'm too old i'm 60. i said well why do you think you're too old and she said well you know we're just never going to be able to get rid of operating the worst thing i ever did was put a scenario in the book for operating expenses because we put ourselves in this box and that's all we can think about is well i got to use it for operating i'm like what if you buy your next piece of equipment with it What if you buy your side-by-side with it? What if you lend money to the kids to get started in farming with it? I mean, what if you lend money to the grandkids to go to college? It doesn't mean that it can only be used for operating. We put ourselves, we have these fabulous people like Dave Ramsey, not, who put money in envelopes. And so we think of this policy is just for this and this policy is just for this. It's money flows. It's one big pool. We can grab that money and use it for many different things and pay it back. First off, are you saying that you're not a Dave Ramsey fan? <laughs> I am not a huge Dave Ramsey fan. I don't mind Dave Ramsey in the aspect of, hey, we need to be smart with our money and we need to not buy things we can't afford. But right. Dave Ramsey is a whole, you should be debt free. Well, guess what, Damien? The bum on the street is debt free. We need some cash flow. Farmers need cash flow. And they do 15 year mortgages and 20 year mortgages to get it paid off sooner. And they strap themselves with cash flow. Can we do a longer term note, pay it off sooner, and take the difference and start a policy so that we've got some money flowing, earning uninterrupted compound interest? Best thing you said so far, and you've said some good stuff. You said, Mary Jo. Uh, you said the bum on the street is debt free. You know that I, I remember several years ago, I was with someone that was more of the, shall we call unsophisticated agricultural uh, person. Uh, they had an agricultural operation, but they were definitely more of the bumpkin variety. It's like, I'm not being mean. It's not about your educational attainment. It's about your outlook. It is about your view. His exact thing was, well, you know, when this big farm around the road, they'll be in debt until they die. And I'm like, yeah, they have like $8 million worth of agricultural operation going on. So if they have $2 million worth of debt against $8 million of capital and assets, that's a 25% debt to equity ratio, you dumb shit. So big, big deal. Debt is not the problem. Uh, and you know, you're right about that, that there's some farm people that just abhor debt. They're like, oh, I can't have that debt debt word worked well, uh, obviously is an expansion tool. Uh, you know, so that's, that's dead on. But um, we need cash flow, right? Debt. We can have no debt, but no cash flow, and we're not getting anywhere. So do we, do we want to grow or do we want to stay the same? And then we see people that are upset with big farms, right? Yeah. You're a big farmer. Well, am I big because I grew, because I read a book, because I leveraged my dollar? Or am I big because I screwed somebody along the way? We don't, we associate that as it's a bad thing. When in fact, that person is just leveraging their dollar and, and utilizing their money correctly, creating cash flow so that we've got money to buy other things. 
and not just cash flow to buy groceries and then we're good and then we can stay the same forever. Right. So I loved your comment. Uh, yeah, uh, that even the bum on the street, I don't think you're supposed to call them bums anymore. I think you call them a person experiencing homelessness. Uh, yeah, I don't person, know. We don't have many here. It's too cold. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't hang out in Bismarck too much. <laughs> um, so yeah, the vagrant on the street is probably debt free, but that debt free doesn't mean well off. The other thing that you talked about, Ramsey, um, has some other flaws. And you talk about putting money in envelopes. That's somewhat of a rudimentary old finance teaching um, in the old days. A long time ago, I learned about what they call pocket accounting, which is exactly what you're talking about. And I see farmers do this. Uh, again, it's it shows a level of uh, lack of financial um, wherewithal, or at least not wherewithal, uh, understanding. They'll say like, my mom was this way. I said, I started handling her affairs after my dad, you know, 20 years ago. And I said, what the hell do you have... Um, why, why do we have a life insurance policy here? I said, you're spending like $600 a year for a $5,000 return on this life insurance policy. She says, well, so I can pay for my funeral. I said, you got, you got 130 acres um, and uh, you got cows. Uh, you got a savings account that's earning you nothing. I said, but to her mind, it was $500 here and there was $1,000 there. And so there's this lack of sophistication, Mary Jo, that many people do where the word you're looking for, of course, is fungible. Money is fungible. It's the purest commodity on earth. Whether it's a dollar in your left pocket, a dollar in your cigar box, or a dollar in your savings account, or a dollar in a life insurance policy, as you're talking about, it's all your dollars. And so the pocket accounting idea that it's this pocket versus this pocket when it's really big picture. Right. Yep. And the other thing Dave Ramsey gets wrong is he says a whole life is bad. Whole life is bad. When in fact, he talks about fees and charges and all this other BS. And that is all in a universal variable and an index. And in my book, I have a whole section on crappy policies and why we don't want to use them. And so I agree with Dave in that aspect. And it's funny because some of my best clients are Dave Ramsey fans. And he's got them to where they can manage their money and they, they're budget conscious, but they also understand that they're not going to get a 15% rate of return in the market. They know that I need cash flow. I can't be debt-free farming if I want to expand. And so they get the fact that, and they, and they understand lost opportunity costs that if I give you a dollar, I no longer have the opportunity to make anything on that dollar. I exchanged it for cows. I exchanged it for land. What if I put it in the policy, earn a guaranteed rate and I borrow against it and buy my land and my cows and my tractors and go to college and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what, when I look at the big picture here, uh, mistakes that you see, uh, you know, what, what are we, we getting wrong besides pocket accounting, besides uh, worrying too much about debt versus cash flow? What else? What's another mistake you see? The, the biggest thing that I have seen is we are not passing it off so the next generation can take over and be successful. We're passing it off so every single generation buys it from the farm. So can we, and we're not utilizing, and again, I'm going to go back to life insurance, but we're not utilizing life insurance. That's income tax-free money. So if we can create generational wealth, if 
you're my dad and you die and you're and you say okay i'm gonna leave you six hundred thousand dollars great i now have six hundred thousand dollars that i can operate with i can expand with i can buy my siblings out with whatever needs to happen or can i have six hundred thousand dollars that goes to the off the farm kid and i get the farm right can we utilize it in some sort of an estate transfer and it's funny because I've talked to farm family mediator type people and they said it was a huge thing in the 80s and it's gone away. And the reason why is because of these crappy policies people were buying and they, okay. were, they were, the policy was gone before they died, you know? Well, actually, I, I don't know as much because uh, when, my, uh, when my mom died, uh, I, my inheritance uh, it was a bad back. Um, pretty much that's it. But no. Um, <clears throat> so you're talking about you. Some of your job now is Mary Jo. You sit down with these people and say, "You're." Which ag people really have a hard time with this. Most people do, but ag people like it, admitting that they're going to die and then doing the planning. These are some of the worst. Uh, succession planning oriented minded people, they all want to talk about keeping the family farm, keeping the family farm. Yeah. And then they wonder why a Damien Mason comes in and buys it at auction, uh, you know, uh, three years later, you carried on and went to the co-op and talked to all the other unsophisticated uh, agricultural uh, neighborhood people where you gossip every day over coffee. One of those days, instead of going to gossip, you know, you should have done gone and met with an estate attorney and an insurance professional like you, because as you just said, so you help people do the transition, and insurance is a big part of that. But also, yeah, I help them see, I help them see that there's a possibility for a transition, right? Or what can we do for? And that really, it's discounted dollars, Damien. If we're and I have a blog on my website. Um, if you go to farmingwithoutthebank.com and you can go to generational wealth, I, I show what happens when we start rolling death benefit. We're buying a dollar for 18 cents income tax free by the third generation. Do you think like I don't the, the mindset that I don't understand is you get up, you work your ass off every day just so the next generation can buy it just so that you don't pass it on. Why are you getting up if you're not protecting it? I don't understand why you work so hard to build something to not protect it. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, you're preaching the choir here. I always say that uh, in my book, Do Business Better, I point out that I, I always look at it, I was a factory worker. Uh, I did the overtime because at time and a half or double time, I'm like, I already did the hard work of the 40 hours. That next 16 is getting paid 50% more per hour. Um, that's why I look at estate planning and meeting with your insurance person and all the stuff that you're talking about. If you're going to do the hard work of doing the work and then of saving the money and acquiring the asset, let's not try and do the right thing about it. Although it's not really anybody's job to give, to work all their life to give something away either. You know, that, no. there's that reality. No, but can we sell it? Because we're not planning for retirement. As a farmer, we wear this badge of honor that it's important to be broke because then we're, then we have humility, right? So we work to be broke. That's what farmers do. And the next generation should buy it because that's what we had to do. But how about, how about we take a $2 million operation and we sell it to the next generation? 
whether that's your kid or not your kid, 5% interest over 30 years, you made $4 million. Capital gains is going to be less because you're spreading it out over time instead of just selling it for 2 million. And guess who gets the other 2 million, the bank and interest. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is a contract for deed. It's not, I'm not saying it's going to be without flaws, but do your documentation correctly, create the contract for deed with, and I just did my podcast on this, um, which should be coming out on Friday about this very same thing. So many people don't are so terrified of a contract for deed. Well, now I can, if, if I'm buying something from you on a contract for deed, I can now have a life insurance policy on you. Mm-hmm. So if you die before my contract is up, I have the death benefit for your heirs. Okay, go through that one real quick again, because I think that's uh, something that a lot of people don't fully get. So do that real quick structure. Just explain it real quick. A contract for deed? Well, I, we, I, yeah, that's a contract okay. to buy a property. So yeah, you're, right. you're, a contract so, for deed means you're selling selling a property or a farming operation. It could be hog barns. It could be acres. It could be orchards, whatever. Uh, selling it on contract. So are you saying, okay, I'm selling this to... Not even my son, maybe not even my daughter, but the the guy down the street here, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then tell about the insurance protection. So if I'm buying a property from you, Damien, you and I have a contract for deed. I am buying your property. I now have insurable interest in you. So I can buy a policy on you because it's a key man policy. You and I are in business together. I can buy a policy on you. So if you pass away before the contract is up, I now have death benefit to buy out your family and or give them a big enough down payment that I can go to the bank and buy and have money for the rest. If I am, and we do this, I do this a lot. Um, If I have a young couple farming with mom and dad, I want you to buy a policy on dad and then we're, and I want you to buy a whole life on dad today because he's getting older every day. We might buy some convertible term insurance on you because you're young, but if we only have $15,000, we need to be buying that on dad. So when he passes, you have the money to buy out the siblings. You have the money to expand, to take over operating expenses, all of these things happen when mom and dad pass away. And if mom and dad, ideally mom and dad should have the insurance to take care of the estate, but a lot of times they don't want to. So if the younger generation has seen the benefit, great. Now we're going to do it on mom and dad, and then we're going to buy one on ourselves, and then our kids and our grandkids. And that's the generational wealth. Mm-hmm. This is what the Rockefellers do. Mm-hmm. This is what wealthy banks own bank owned life insurance. Mm-hmm. They, that is their tier one capital. The wealthy people understand that you can buy discounted dollars, income tax free. It grows income tax free and you use it at retirement income tax free. What if we could use it for operating today and retire on that same money later? Win, win. Sounds like it. 
Um, you keep saying, just because I want you to explain this, and then we're going to head out. Um, you said about buying on discounted dollars. Just explain that to the person that's saying, why does she keep saying buying it on discounted dollars? And you use the, use the uh, exact numbers of 18 cents to pay for a dollar. Can you explain that? Yep. So when I buy a life insurance policy on somebody that, typically I look at this when I'm looking at somebody that's 55, 60 years old. When we look at how much premium has been paid in to likely death of say 85, to how much death benefit gets paid out, I have probably paid in 50 cents out of pocket for every dollar that goes to the next generation. And they get that dollar income tax free. So we are buying a discounted dollar. We're paying 50 cents for a dollar, or we're paying 30 cents for a dollar. And that, and when we keep, when we take the death benefit and we roll it into a new policy, that grows income tax free. Now we we keep paying our premium once once our premium is due out of pocket, and when we keep rolling that, we get down to about eighteen cents for every dollar. Got it. And so, uh, obviously, and as opposed to me with a term life insurance policy, whole life, it, it, it's you could be ninety and it still is there because that's the difference. Uh, whereas mine, uh, when that thirty years is up, it's up. Yeah. Whereas the whole life, whole life, whole life actually is going to one hundred and twenty-one now. Okay, so you can live to be one hundred and twenty-one. So mm -hmm. there's like one Japanese person that is uh, over 121 years old. Uh, as clean as I live, I don't know if I'm going to make it to 121, but I don't know. Uh, I think there's going to be some evidence that Coors Banquet actually probably is a longevity uh, luxor. So, all right, her name is her name is Mary Jo, uh, and there you can find her uh, at farmingwithoutthebank.com. Farmingwithoutthebank.com. Okay, it's Mary Jo Ehrman, uh, farmingwithoutthebank.com. She's around on some social media formats. Uh, is there anywhere else they can, let's just, yeah. just go there. Go to Farm Without the Bank and find you there, right? Yep, yep, I'm on Farming Without the Bank Facebook, LinkedIn, um, podcast, Farming Without the Bank. So everything is Farming Without the Bank except YouTube. That is Mary Jo Ehrman. She uh, is, has her own podcast also, so be sure to check it out. I brought her on here because uh, I think it's important to manage your money and run your business as a business. If you're in the business of agriculture, you listen to this podcast because you understand it is a business. Uh, you don't have a lifestyle. You don't have the, the beautiful old barns and the meadows and the sun going down over the pasture with the grazing sheep out there unless you have the business part of it handled first. Am I right? Correct. Thanks for being here. Correct. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bet. Till next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.